Hello and welcome to the Libertarian Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Senek, joined as always by the Libertarian himself, Professor Richard Epstein, Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution, as well as Professor of Law at NYU and Senior Lecturer at the University of Chicago. Today, the Nunes Memo and the Mueller investigation. And Richard, this is our first show since the Republican majority on the House Intelligence Committee allowed for the release of a memo that many of them touted as damaging to the investigation around the Trump campaign. The central allegation contained therein being that when applications were made to the FISA court, which is the government body that oversees requests for surveillance warrants, to surveil Carter Page, who was an associate of the Trump campaign, that the FBI, this is during the Obama administration, supposedly relied heavily on this now famous Steele dossier containing these accusations of lurid behavior by Donald Trump without acknowledging to the court that it was a piece of opposition research funded by Democrats for political purposes. Okay, so as we can tell, even by what I just had to go through there, Richard, this is a very complicated case. And since this memo has come out, it seems even less clear what did or didn't happen. What do we know with certainty at this point and what remains sort of ambiguous? Well, what we know is what the application said, or at least parts of it, but we don't know all the things that we said. And we also know that everybody believes that the Steele Murrow is thoroughly discredited. What we don't know is how much the FBI knew about the discredited stuff when it used it at various times. And just to throw another complication in, what happened after this memo was filed with respect to other activities that took place? We also know that Carter Page was a subject of investigation several times before, and this was about the fourth time they brought an application in. And what we also know is that the application was incomplete in at least one respect, which is very important. What it did say, and it was a half-disclosure and I think a half-truth, was that some of the material relied upon was, in fact, opposition research. What it did not state was that the opposition research in question had been funded by the Clinton campaign. What nobody knows exactly is a Clinton campaign is an entity. It's a group of individuals. Uh, the harder question that remains is which people inside the Clinton campaign organized this. We know it went through a firm called Perkins Coie. We don't know who did the work at that particular case. We do know also that the Clinton campaign tended to be tightly managed at the top by Hillary. Uh, this is not proof, to put it mildly, that she, in fact, was aware of the way in which this opposition research was done. But it's certainly something which would be investigated as part of a thorough situation, at least if one starts to believe that some kind of the information that Steele got, which seems to be likely, but I don't think conclusively proved, was in fact detained by his contacts associated uh, with the Russians. Uh, so what the Democrats did was they made two objections to the publication of the memo. One of them is they thought that it compromised national security kinds of interests. And this was stressed afterwards in a rather intense statement by former Director Comey. I've looked at the memo. I think most people have. I've talked to one or two prosecutors. And we all agree that it doesn't come within a country's mile of revealing any kind of dangerous um, classified information, methods of operation sources and so forth. And so I think that particular job turns out to be groundless. The other charge is more interesting, which is that there may be other information around which was important in this particular case. Uh, this has the following implication. Uh, does that mean that the other information was sufficient in order to obtain the warrant? At which point the question is then why do you take this rather dubious dossier and put it in there? 
or was it in fact that this dossier was a central piece of information without which the case would start to fail? And so what the Democrats can try to do, I think, is to show that the surrounding circumstances make the memo less salient than would otherwise be the case. But that is not going to exonerate the FBI. If it turns out that there's some misleading information that is contained there, the fact that you put some truthful statements in a various in a, in a particular request or an application and have some untruthful things in there as well, uh, the argument is going to be if you put the untruthful stuff in there, it presumably has some purpose or you take it out and you cannot, in effect, say, well, don't sue me or don't accuse me of lying if I also told the truth on some other matters. We have yet to see what the uh, Democratic memo is. It's going through the internal vetting. It's now up, to, I think, to President Trump. I think virtually everybody believes that this thing ought to be published, um, and I think the Republicans unanimously voted to release it. There is also the further complication of the Grassley letter, which was sent off to the FBI and its director, Christopher Wray, and it is heavily redacted, but it certainly contains serious charges. Uh, one does not know whether they're true, uh, that um, everything Steele did. Uh, he was double-talking at the same time. He said he hadn't talked to the press. He had talked to the press. They make a great deal of the fact that he had testified in British litigation as to all the stuff that he knew and kept that from the FBI, we think. Uh, so we have no idea whether or not the FBI asked him flat out where this information came from, whether they should have asked him. We don't know when the information came up in this incomplete form to the FISA court exactly what the application said because that's not been released. And we don't know what the FISA court did in response. Did they ask a question? Did they submit a request for further information? Did they just rubber stamp the whole situation? Uh, so I think what you could say is the Republicans have certainly not run out of gas on this particular situation. I think they've got a as it were, a, a runner in play, uh, but it would be very premature to say that they've actually scored anything that remotely looks like a home run. Uh, the Democratic side, I think, has tried to poo-poo the memo. I regard that as generally ineffective at the level they're trying to do it, uh, but you have to be very careful about no, not overhyping it on the other side. So that's a very brief summary of a very complicated issue. One of the interesting political dynamics we've seen with the Mueller investigation, and specifically with these memos, is the two major parties sort of reversing polarity on their attitudes towards the intelligence community. You've got Republicans who traditionally tend to be a little more deferential to them, implying that there are these political machinations going on within the FBI and the DOJ and that we need to solve that with more transparency. And then you've got Democrats who traditionally are more critical of them saying, as you mentioned earlier, that this imperiled national security to even release this memo. So – this is always kind of slippery when it comes to classified work, but Richard, how much accountability when it comes to the intelligence community needs to come through transparency to the public and how much needs to be handled through institutional safeguards? Well, I think the answer is you can't go to either of the two extremes and so you're therefore always going to be in the messy middle. I think that the release of this particular doctrine as redacted was just fine. I think that releasing the FISA report would be just fine. I think finding out whether or not there were any requests from the court itself back to the application would be fine. <clears throat> I think it's extremely important to ask the question as to who in the Clinton administration knew or the campaign knew what was going on and how it happened. It's also, I think, and we tend to lose sight of this, what does any of this have to do with linking up to the notion that there is Russian influence in the election that we can concede in collaboration with Trump, which I think is at the point of this whole thing, 
and we don't see that. Ironically, if you had to guess now, the evidence seems to be stronger that there was somebody in the steel position or his subordinates or aides or superiors or somebody in the Democratic Party might have had some contact with some Russian who may or may not have had contact with Putin. That seems at least as likely as the fact that any of the aborted contacts that people in the Trump administration, like Donald Jr. had with Russian operatives, mattered. It's also, I think, at this point, a little bit unnerving because if the investigation is going on underground, what we do is we have two prosecutions on Flynn and Papadopoulos, right, that have been filed and they're all cooperating. But all of those are for lying to the FBI and there's no public information linking that to any kind of external activity. And there's at least some good evidence that when uh, Flynn was speaking perhaps to the Russians, he was... uh, a potential appointee in the administration appropriate to do so um and so when you start looking at all of this stuff you don't find anything that kind of gets it back to the trump administration and so i think in effect you could run it as a national security investigation and there's always the question very difficult to answer is when does that flip over into something that looks like a criminal investigation and on that issue i'm extremely uneasy because as i've said multiple times on this show i think it was a mistake for rod rosenstein to appoint um robert Mueller the head because there's a question of the probity of the fbi is at issue in some sense uh you've got lots of other people whom you can go to who don't have fbi uh, connections. And if it turns out that the probity of the FBI director at the time, Jim Comey, is going to be an issue, the last thing you want to do is have an investigation run by one of his friends. At the same point, everybody, I think, understands that Trump would commit himself to an incredible firestorm if he fired Mueller. Mueller's a very tenacious guy. is not going to resign. Uh, so my view is this is going to be a long-term distraction. I think that there's going to be a marginal gain to the Republicans coming out of this relative to the Democrats. Uh, but as we know, every new episode will bring another survive surprise. And when we start to see what the Democratic memo says, we may have a little bit more information. Or, as I suspect, we'll probably have more questions to which we don't know the answer. I want to follow up for a moment on that reference you made a few moments ago to, to Jim Comey. In the nine months or so since he's been fired from his job as the director of the FBI – He has developed a very devoted group of defenders and followers, most on the left but some on the right, who sort of conceive of him as the last honest man in Washington, partially because he's become this very outspoken figure on social media. Based on what we know, Richard, does Comey deserve to be lionized for his handling of this situation? No, I think he basically deserves to be condemned in fairly strong terms. Uh, Some months ago when this thing was breaking, I wrote a little piece called The Cagey Mr. Comey, which I think captures what's going on. His interactions with President Trump after that famous dinner, did he or did he not request Michael Flynn, Comey to drop the investigation of Michael Flynn, was a study in ambiguity. And I think that uh, before Comey goes forward and saying, yes, I think he meant it as an order, you should actually ask the president for some clarification. There's also real complexity as to whether or not the president who's running the entire service can do this. That's going to depend at least in part as to whether or not Trump thought everybody involved was innocent and this was a witch hunt or whether he actually thought he had something to hide or which we do not fully know. But there's a lot of ambiguity there. But Comey did not cover himself with glory. Um, He behaved abominably in my judgment when it came to the question of how they conducted the investigation of Hillary Clinton in 2015, long before the campaign had taken shape and gave 
gave her a free pass, allowed her aides to claim immunity. The whole thing, I think, was odd, permitting the destruction of the most recent versions of her uh, of her hard drive. All of this stuff is totally incomprehensible. Uh, then when it comes to the public announcements, it seems pretty clear that he had prepared the statement, or at least some version of it, before July, and that he had originally put in the words like whatever the applicant said, reckless disregard, and then took it down to extremely careless to get it out of the statutory framework. Um, uh, it was wrong for him to make any statement after it turned out that Loretta Lynch uh, had to recuse herself because of the uh, quote-unquote chance encounter that she had with Bill Clinton on the tarmac in Texas somewhere. Uh, that's the job of the deputy attorney general, not his job. He should have remained silent. So he did a lot of things, and he's an equal opportunity mess-up man. Um, some of them hurt the Democrats. Some of them hurt the Republicans. All of them, I think, hurt his reputation. And the notion that we're going to talk about him as being the protector of national security in this particular case, when in fact his conduct is obviously going to be extraordinarily key to what's going on in this situation, strikes me as being wrong. To repeat, there's absolutely nothing in any of the documents that I've seen which has the slightest tendency to compromise classified activities or national security in any way. How concerned should we be about damage to the public's confidence in the FBI and the DOJ, and how justifiable would that decline in trust be? Well, I think the first answer is obviously there has to be a decline. Um, what happens is this organization at one time had a very powerful reputation. It managed to survive the excesses of J. Edgar Hoover to the end of his term. Um, it's thought to be kind of an independent. You know, you can know it because the, the initials FBI are such that nobody wants to change it to the FSI, Federal Service information like they did with the Internal Revenue Bureau. I mean, this thing has got real brand power. And now it's obviously going to be compromised. And the point about it is when you throw doubt in like this, um, it means that everybody on every side of the political spectrum is going to be uneasy because nobody knows which way the ball is going to bounce the next time that it hits. Then the question is whether or not this is justified. And I think the answer is yes. Um, nobody can say that the FBI, starting in uh, March of 2015, which is almost three years ago, has acquitted itself in this particular issue in a kind of exemplary fashion. Nobody knows the extent to which all of its investigations are compromised by some hidden complication about which we cannot speak at this particular point intelligently. And so whenever you have misinterpretation and arguments about interpretation of public information and annoying uncertainty about the stuff that lies beneath the iceberg, you would expect the public information or confidence to decline. And this is, I think, the great triumph of Mr. Putin. He throws a lot of this stuff out there, uh, relatively small expenditures. My view is he had exactly the right strategy. He doesn't have to figure out who's going to win the election. What he has to do is to make sure that he can smear both parties so whoever takes office is going to be compromised in the way in which he or she could be able to operate. And he succeeded. And indeed, if Hillary Clinton had been elected president, uh, these revelations about the presidential campaign would have made an investigation into her much more salient than it now turns out to be. And, you know, this is a completely different situation. If it turns out that she approved of the Steele dossier, knew it was opposition research, and knew that it was going to be headed over to the FBI and put into the files, that stuff becomes criminal behavior. And that's what I think Comey and everybody else should be worried about. If they knew the information was false and they put it in a dossier in order to influence the outcome, the criminality depends upon the endeavor. It does not depend upon the fact that other information which was true was also in there. Um, this is a situation where the attempt is very bad, and when you have a successful 
conclusion, if the information is false, uh, then in effect, all the information that goes in is going to be treated as relevant, particularly since the Nunes letter suggested that this was the key to their application. So who knows? And let me just mention one other point about this. People have said, well, you know, no big deal because Carter Page has been under investigation four times before, three times before. But that's the point. They were running out of steam with respect to Carter. They didn't have a thing. And so when they come in the fourth time, they have to add something to juice it up. That's why the memo becomes so important. So this is not a case where you say that the continuation of the examination is no big deal. This is a case where in this conventional criminal procedure with warrants, if you want to get an additional warrant after the earlier ones have run out on time, you have to prove new information to keep it going. And that's my guess as to why it was that they added into this particular case um, all the stuff that had been obtained from the Steele dossier. Final question that I'll put to you. Putting aside the partisan interests of each side, what would be best for the country when it comes to where the Mueller investigation goes from here? Well, my view about it is that he has to fess up with the question as to whether or not he has anything on Donald Trump or remove him as a target of the investigation. And uh, you recall that Comey told the president privately on a number of occasions that he was himself was not a target of the investigation, but refused to make it public. I think we really have to worry about an administration that can spend its attention on dealing with the issues of government rather than having to worry about investigations and the possibility of impeachment, which seems highly remote at this time, or the even order situation of maybe getting yourself a trial for obstruction of justice against him or against one of his affiliates. We do not need that distraction unless there's a very powerful case that could be made out. And so I think Mr. Mueller has to put up a shut up. Um, the other thing is that we have to get some sense as to what the underground investigation is looking about, what the targets are. This is very delicate for the president to, he doesn't know it, and it's very delicate for Mr. Mueller. But at this particular point, I think you need more disclosure than usual because there's a kind of a universal vote of no confidence in everybody who's involved in these particular procedures. And also, I think what we have to do is to get some documents from the Democratic National Committee and from the FISA court and from the FISA application, and to the extent that they can be redacted or should be redacted, do so. But otherwise, what we need to get more information out. You will not be able to figure out a set of intelligent reforms for this whole process unless you have a greater idea of where it broke down in this particular case. And, you know, I've spent a fair bit of time in my life teaching criminal procedure, although I'm no full-time expert in the subject, I'm quite assured you. But I'm amazed at the complexity of this case and about the way in which it casts a rather grim light on the entire system of American investigative services through the FBI and the Justice Department. And that has to be a big concern. All right. Thank you, Richard, and thank you to our listeners. Remember, you can follow Richard on Twitter, at Richard A. Epstein. You can read his weekly column, The Libertarian, by visiting Defining Ideas at hoover.org. You can help us out by rating the show on iTunes. For Richard Epstein, I'm Troy Senek. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more information about our work, please visit hoover.org.